0: Well, you may have figured out that Sean Green isn't here. He's our normal uh, Bedford SOCC campus pastor, but with uh, Tom and some of the other staff on tour in Israel, um, he's filling in at East this morning. So we have a, a guest with us this morning, Alan Burris. He is a longtime Lawrence County minister. I would almost say a fixture, but maybe that's, maybe that's pushing a little bit. I'm gonna make him out to be old, which I probably shouldn't do. So I'm gonna stop before I make it even worse, but let's welcome him to speak to us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, Sean and I have been hanging out quite a bit, intentionally, and it's been such a a blessing to me. And a while back, he asked me if I would speak for him sometime. And when he asked me, I just looked at him and laughed. And he said, why are you laughing? And I said, I don't really know. (laughs) But I said, yeah, I would love to do that. And then the other day, he texted me and said, hey, what about today? Again, I, I didn't laugh, but I was overcome with joy. It's like, yes, I would love to have that honor, uh, and I appreciate the privilege. And um, I think that, that uh, my laughter the first time was really joy, so I'll just call it holy laughter or something like that. I preached for the Mitchell Church of Christ for 20 years, and about a year ago, I decided to, to leave. It was a peaceful departure. It just felt like it was the right time and the right thing to do. And and when I left, I left with a quote from one of my heroes, Fred Craddock, who is a a preaching genius. Craddock said this, and it's kind of how I feel. He said, when I was in my late teens, I wanted to be a preacher. When I was in my late 20s, I wanted to be a good preacher. Now that I'm older, I want more than anything else to be a Christian, to live simply, to love generously, to speak truthfully, to serve faithfully and leave everything else up to God. That's where I am in my life and I'm comfortable with that and I think that's why I'm here today. Today is a, is the second sermon in the series of Walk Like Jesus and um, I hope you've downloaded the app. There's information in your bulletin how to do that. I've, I've downloaded I've been looking through it, even though I'm not going to be here a lot. Uh, I, I'm really going to follow along because it's some really good material. Today's lesson is, how real is your Jesus? And you can take that question in lots of ways, and I hope you will. But today we want to look at it in such a way that when you leave here, you leave with something that will be useful for you this evening, and then in the morning, and then throughout the rest of the week. You know, Jesus is, is mind-boggling, and he's mysterious in lots of ways, and, and he's really beyond our full comprehension. This idea of Jesus, uh, in the end, if we're a follower of his, we, we take what he says and what is said about him, we accept that with an informed faith and an earned trust. And so we look at this idea that Jesus is fully God and, and fully human. And it's like, well, how does that work? How can he be fully divine and fully human and, and a man at the same time? So let's, let's see if we can break that down a little bit. Do you believe that Jesus was fully God? You know, if you, if you look at the Bible and, and you say, see what it says, it really makes that case. Very, very strongly you see Colossians 1, the Son is the image of the invisible God. John 14 where Philip asked Jesus, can you show us the Father, can you show us God? And Jesus says to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen him, you've seen the Father. Titus 2, Paul says in talking about our blessed hope, he calls Jesus God. He says we wait for God and Savior, Jesus Christ Hebrews chapter 1, I want you to note particularly and just kind of hold in your mind, the sun is the radiance of God's glory the, and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And then you have a definitive statement from Paul in Colossians 2, where he says, in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. J. B. Phillips um, wrote a book many years ago and you may have read it called Your God is Too Small. It was written a long time ago but it's still worth getting and reading. And in it he presents all these inadequate views of God that people have that hold us back. And he carefully deconstructs each one and he says if you really want an adequate view of who God is then you look at Jesus. Because Jesus reveals who God is in the flesh with skin on. And so the God of the Old Testament is a little bit fuzzy, a little bit out of focus. And Philip says he's he's like Jesus takes that God and brings him into clear focus and reveals who God is in the flesh with skin. And that, that raises a second question that's probably a little more difficult. First to get our minds around, was Jesus fully human? Was he really like us? Was he really real? And you, and you read the Bible through that lens and you say, well, it sure seems like it. Because it talks about how Jesus was conceived by and then born to an ordinary woman, a, a, a peasant girl, a teenager perhaps. We know that Jesus grew and he developed physically, intellectually, I think, and spiritually. We know that Jesus got hungry. He got thirsty. He got tired. He slept. Jesus got annoyed. I didn't put on there he got sarcastic, but Jesus was sarcastic. I was like, that's good. He was sarcastic at times. And he got really angry, turned the table over angry. And so you look at that and you see, well, he did all these things. And he, and he wept like we weep. And he, this is kind of a weird one to think about. he resisted his father's will, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, I don't really want to do this. But in the end, he submits to his father, which is a really key Concept And when you look at all these things, you hear, what, you hear what's behind what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. He says, since the children, talking about us, have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, too, shared in our humanity so that by his death he might dis- break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives... We were held in slavery by their fear of death. For it's not, it's not, surely it's not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. He's talking about us as, as people. And listen to what he says He says, for this reason, he had to be made like them, like us, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You know, a lot of people believe that Jesus had it easy. Some people think that that Jesus had this God card thing. It's kind of like a master card, master's card. And, and, and on, the num, on the front, the numbers were seven, 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 seven. You know, all sevens, perfect number. The expiration date was eternity. The credit limit was unlimited because God owns everything. And, and so the concept is Jesus had that card. And when things got a little bit difficult in the flesh... When the temptation got a little strong or the the test was a little hard he'd pull that card out and say whoa let's stop it right here and that's how he was able to remain sinless some people believe that that's a that's a that's an ancient heresy okay there's all these isms that you can explore on your app there's gnosticism docetism apollinarianism all these things that, that essentially say the same thing that jesus really wasn't real He didn't really struggle like we struggle, and so just kind of had it easy. You know what that does when you have that belief? It it, it makes Jesus unrelatable in a sense. It it makes him so that he is less than real, he's distant, he's not helpful. And a lot of people perceive him that way, and, and that way, Allows them not to follow him. Well, I can't be like him anyway. He wasn't like me. And so they don't try to follow him. They don't walk like he walked. They don't develop his habits. You know, I've done a lot of dumb things in my, lo- in my life. I started say with my wife, but I, I, I thought she was going to say amen. I was saying, I said, I've done a lot of dumb things. And probably a top ten thing happened about probably ten years ago. I uh, walked into the garage from the house, and I got in my car, and I started the car. I put my foot on the brake and put it in reverse, took my foot off the brake and put it on the gas pedal, and backed up, and then heard this horrendous, terrible noise. Do you know what I did? I forgot to open the garage door, okay? (sighs) All this terrible noise. That was bad enough. I looked in the rearview mirror, and then when I looked over, there she was, not my wife, but my then teenage daughter, Rebecca, and there she was, the door open from the house to the garage. There she was in this most judgmental posture, looking at me like, what were you thinking? And then I think she said that. Uh, I don't know where she got that. (laughs) But it sure was painful to see her treat me the way that I often treated her when she made mistakes. You know, we end up laughing about it, I think, ten years later. I don't know. We end up laughing about it. And and honestly, we never talked about it in this way. but, But I think it was probably a very good bonding event experience for us. Because I think what happened was, in that moment, I kind of entered into her world. I kind of uh, was more relatable because I made a big mistake in front of her and she was able to tell me about it, just kind of like I'd done for her many times. You know, in parenting we often think, we leave the impression maybe that we have it easier, we don't make mistakes like that. and uh, you know we know it's not true, but we leave that impression. That may be the impression kids get sometimes. But in that moment, I entered into her world, and we were bonding. And I've thought a lot about that in the context of uh, the incarnation of Jesus, where Jesus takes on flesh, where he where he puts on skin, and. I think that's a really good way to think about Jesus. He was fully human. He was fully like us. He didn't commit any sins. But here's a, here's a disturbing question for you, do you think Jesus made mistakes? I'm going to say he did because mistakes are not always sins. And I say that to kind of disturb us because I think a lot of times we put Jesus so high on a pedestal because of, of his divinity, rightfully so. Don't, don't mishear me. But sometimes we place him so high on a pedestal because of his divinity that we, we fail to remember the power of his humanity. He really was like us. He was fully human. He was tempted. He was tried. He struggled. He suffered. He cried. He died. If you look at Hebrews chapter 5, an interesting verse there, it says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was... He learned obedience from what he suffered. Now, I think this is a clear reference to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? But I, but I think it's a, it's a whole lot more than that. I, I think it, it's, it's talking about uh, Jesus and his experience on earth. You know, Jesus did have the God card, I think, but, it, but he chose not to use it. He had it with him the whole time. You know, he's baptized, and then immediately the Spirit of God thrusts him into the wilderness. It's like, is that the way you treat people who are just baptized? But Jesus had to prove that he was the Son of God, the faithful Son of God. And and in the wilderness, in in the desert there, after 40 days of fasting, Satan shows up and says to him, Show me your God card. Make these stones bread. And Jesus says, Nope, not gonna use it. Two other times, he says, Show me the God card. And all three times, Jesus doesn't use the God card, and he just quotes scripture. And then you go from the garden of uh, from the, the, the wilderness, and you go all the way through his life to the garden of Gethsemane, and then to the cross. There's all these opportunities for Jesus to use the God card. And he even says, I have it. He says, I could call, right now, legions of angels, but I'm not going to. He could have called 10,000 angels, we sing, but he chose not to because he wants to become the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and to identify with us so that we can become like him. We can be like him. We can walk in his steps. We can have his attitude. We can have his habits. There's a lot of mystery in all this stuff. And Sean got into it last week a little bit in Philippians 2 with uh, the attitude of Jesus and then that, that early hymn. And, and from that comes this idea of the kenotic theory. It's based on one word in the hymn, kenosis, which means to empty. And, and so it, 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 it's, it's kind of a paradox because the theory is that Jesus When he leaves heaven, he empties himself of his divinity by taking on humanity. So it's kind of a hard concept for us to get. But what Jesus does is he takes on flesh which veils his deity, which cloaks his deity so that he can find the full expression of humanity. That's pretty deep. And there's a lot of stuff on your app about that. So I'll point you to that again. But here's the deal. What difference does it make? What difference does it make if Jesus is fully human? I'm going to tell you it makes all the difference in the world. Already this morning we've looked at a few verses out of Hebrews that show the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. I think the the book of Hebrews is is a sermon. A lot of scholars believe that it's a sermon. I believe it's a sermon. And and so the writer's a preacher and and he's preaching to a, a, a group of people who are really, really discouraged. They're really struggling. They're they're Jewish, but they've become Christian. And they are disappointed. Disappointment is unmet expectations. And I think somehow they expected things would be different with Jesus. And here they are, still struggling, still having problems, and and they're they're disappointed. They're disappointed with Jesus. They're disappointed with Christianity, and and they're they're about ready to quit. And so the preacher... With a great deal of compassion and passion, writes to them, preaches to them, and says, don't quit. Don't quit. And you know what he does to to encourage them not to quit? He points to the humanity of Jesus. He points to the humanity of Jesus, and he says, you need an informed faith, and you need to realize that Jesus has earned your trust We looked at Hebrews 2 a while ago that Jesus is able to help those of us who are being tempted. Then he adds in chapter 4, again it's cloaked in Jewish language, but he essentially says Jesus is this high priest. He understands your situation. He understands what you're going through, and he is there for you. He is your advocate. He's able to walk with you, and he's able to usher you into the very throne room of God the veil has been ripped open. You can go right into the Holy of Holies with confidence. And there you can find grace and you can find mercy to help you when you're struggling. It's, wow. Wow. Look at what he says. And so Jesus is this wonderful human being who's also God that helps us. As this preacher keeps preaching, he he gets more excited, and he gets to chapter 11. We call it the Hall of Fame of Faith, and he, he points to all these people. He says, look at this, look at this. These are people who learned to trust God, and, and look at them. They struggled, they suffered, they even died, but they trusted God. And then he says, imagine all those people at a stadium. You're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. He talks about this in chapter 12. And they're in this stadium, and you're on the track, and they are shouting and cheering and you need to take off your warm-up clothes you need to take off the things that it's keeping you from running and run with perseverance and again notice what he does he points to the humanity of Jesus Says, look at Jesus fix your eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of your faith what did he do because of the joy set before him he endured the cross he scorned at shame because he could see what was on the other side and then he looks at the, the church and he says. Consider him. Think about him who endured such opposition from sinners. Why? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Wow. So again, he points to Jesus in the flesh. He's our model. We can follow him. So you say, well, how, how did Jesus really do that? How did he keep from not sinning? You know, this is what the rest of the series is about. Uh, but But basically... Jesus handles the pressures of your life by having a humble, submissive attitude. Sean talked about that last week. Submitted to his Father. He's obedient. He had regular practices of, of solitude, being still, and knowing. He prayed. I believe he studied Scripture. He had community. He worshiped. He exalted the Father. He relied in the flesh upon the Spirit of God, which is one of those fascinating things to think about. And you'll see that next week, I believe. And so all those things were a part of his incarnation. There was a little boy who uh, was terrified of thunderstorms. Okay? And one night after his mother had put him to bed and she went to bed, there was a terrible storm. You know, big flashes of lightning, huge claps of thunder, and he was just terrified. And so he, he cries out, Mommy, Mommy. Mommy, please come, and and for some reason, she wouldn't get out of bed, and she would, she said, son, it's going to be okay, God is with you, he'll protect you, God is with you, you'll be okay. The boy got quiet, and then here comes another flash of lightning, another clap of thunder, and and he cries out again, and uh, says, Mommy... Please, please come. And she again said, Son, it'll be okay. God is with you. He'll take care of you. God is with you. The boy got quiet for just a moment, and then with a quivering voice, he said, "Uh, I know God is with me, and he'll protect me, but right now, I need somebody with skin on. (laughs) You probably had that experience in your childhood and with your children, perhaps. But you see, Jesus came to us with skin on, right? And that's what we need. And, and when we see that and we believe that, we turn to him and we turn away from the world, we turn toward Jesus, we decide to follow him, and then we want to be a part of his story and we embody our faith, our repentance, all those things. We embody those in our baptism. And in our baptism, we reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Romans chapter 6, we die to sin, we're buried in water, come up out of the water to live a new life, and we follow him. We follow him, and, and that's what it's all about. It's following him. He becomes the model. He becomes the way of living in this world, and we know of his promised presence. And here's the thing. Sean and I talked about this the other day. We become representatives of God with skin on. We are the body of Christ. We are the second incarnation. And it is our task and our mission to carry on what Jesus began. And so we go into the world and we bring light into darkness. We bring uh, peace, joy, and confidence to people who don't have those things. And ultimately, disciple-making is the goal, and Jesus is the model for all that. So what are we to do with this today? If you remember your Four Chairs series, I read that book. After I got the app, I read the book. It's free. I read the Four Chair book and uh, how that works out, and, and there's different ways different areas people are following Jesus, different categories, and, and so what are we supposed to do with this? It depends on where you are in your journey. If you're still seeking, there may be people seeking today. If you're still seeking, hear him say, come and see. And I know enough to know that there are some people who are really uh, weary and burdened and tired and just ready to give up. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up hear him say, come and see. Also hear him say, come to me. All the all of you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll, I'll hook myself with you and we'll walk through this world together. And please know God loves you and he wants you to be a part of his family. Maybe you have gone to Jesus and you've seen and now you're following him. If you see and believe, then hear him follow, say, follow me and, and keep Keep walking and keep learning, keep getting closer, move to the front. And then as you get closer in your walk with Jesus, hear him plea for workers. There's there's this great harvest and there's a shortage of workers. Jesus is saying, I want you to follow me to the extent that you become a worker for me. I want you to become intentional about being the second incarnation of Jesus. I want you to enter into people's lives with love, joy, and respect and love the time out of them until they can see who Jesus is. And then finally, if you're the worker, don't grow weary in your work. Just keep moving, keep working, don't get discouraged. And as you disciple people, be intentional about saying to them, you know, what you're learning here, I want you to take and teach other people. So there, there's your lesson today. So if you would uh, join me in prayer. Okay? Father, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for the group that's gathered here and we pray that you'll help us all to realize the, the high honor of being called your children. And we thank you for being able to be beloved sons and daughters because of what Jesus has done. Help us to be serious about having his attitude, walking as he walked, having his habits. Father, help us also to be intentional about all those around us who need your love, and may we become ambassadors and vehicles of that love. God, just just bless us and bless our time together today and help us as we leave to, to be very intentional about being your love with skin on. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past 6 years at socc.org/messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.